by for action. Anything can happen in the next hour. You're listening to Armitage on the Paranoid Squirrel Rock Show, where over the course of the next hour, you'll hear music that you should hear on the radio, but don't. away again to the first fan funded segmentation of 2017 a band that is new to me is the sly persuaders who use kickstarter to fund their debut self-titled album which gets its official release on the 24th of february along with a gig at the nambuka on the same day if you missed out on kickstarter fear not as you can pre-order it from their Bandcamp site. The Sly Persuaders are a fucked up, that's a compliment, London-based four-piece gnarly garage surf rockabilly band. The bass on Watch and Learn, which I'm going to play you in a moment, is the dirtiest I've heard of four-string played since Lemmy first discovered Distortion. And the beginning almost sounds like a half-speed method to our madness by the Lords of the New Church.
just over a week ago, on Friday the 5th at 5.55pm, Ginger Wildheart and Exit International's Scott Lee Andrews in their Mutation Guys, released via Pledge Music, Mutation 3, onto a suspecting world. As you know, I'm not one for indistinguishable vocals over several vacuum cleaners all going seven to the dozen. Also... This would have been the first of Ginger's pledges that I've not actually signed up for. I did, if truth be told, buy Mutation 1 and 2, which I only played once and then filed away. I think I like the Joe Petaningo artwork more than the music. However, as it's Ginger, and this is my podcast, I'm going to play the track that Ginger used to entice potential pleasures. This is Irritant. <laughs> Wild Hearts as I was, I received an email, also on the 5th, from Stampede Press, informing me what to look out for in the coming months from their roster. The band that grabbed my attention was Hellbound Hearts, as the press release said for fans of Volbeat, Billy Talent and obviously the Wild Hearts. Their debut album, Film Noir, is out on the 7th of April, so we've got a few months to go yet. 
The band have already started to pencil in some live dates, the first of which is at the Proud Gallery on March the 4th. The first single, Hellbound Hearts, have lifted from film noir, is Suffering the Radio. It reminds me more of the Eureka Machines than anything else. Definitely in the vocal department. Well, both are from Yorkshire, so maybe it's something in the water. <laughs>
in another great piece of linkage. You wouldn't think I more or less make this up as I go along. Actually, you probably do. Chris Catalyst from the aforementioned Eureka Machines, I think this week launched his first solo album, Fire Pledge Music. You see, if I wasn't making this up, I would have played the second song to be taken from Chris's pledge album, Life is Often Brilliant, After Mutation and Before Hellbound Hearts. But I didn't, clearly. Uh, the second song in question that follows on from Sticks and Stones is called Same Old Sun and continues in the same vein as its predecessor. More Sgt Pepper and White album than Brainwaves or Champion the Underdog. I do believe that Chris Catalyst Band will be playing their debut gig at the Brundell Social Club opening for the Eureka Machines and Baby Chaos on February the 11th. Set, 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 stop, start, start, and start again. Place full stop on yesterday. Bring yourself in from the cold. This
not uncommon for bands to write and record songs about other groups. Johnny Thunders, Waterloo and Billy Rath wrote London Boys Slicing the Sex Pistols, which in a bizarre case of irony, Johnny had Steve Jones and Paul Cook, along with Phil Linnett, record the track for his So Alone LP. The Damned had a pop at television with Idiot Box on the greatly underrated Music for Pleasure album. Normally... The name of the band being sung about isn't part of the song title, leaving the listener to wonder and leave the writer free from slander accusations. Not so when it comes to Johnny Moped. If you're going to write about one of Croydon's finest, you want as many people to know about it as possible. Plus, how can anyone have a bad word to say about the person formerly known as Paul Halford? The Masonics released the Here's Johnny Moped 7-inch in 2006. Japanese band Firestarter told us that Johnny Moped was right. Well, another band has just bowed down to the mighty altar of the man, the legend that has funneled the Moped mega sound. Hamsters, not to be confused with The Hamsters, those fine purveyors of blues, rock and Hendrix ZZ Top covers, have just released on German Shepherd Records out of Manchester the, basically... Johnny Moped single, which celebrates the legendary outsider status of Johnny himself, along with Slimy Toad, Dave Burke, original bassist Fred Burke, with his replacement Jacko, the mysterious rock and roll robot, and Xerxes, whilst name-checking others with that unique vision. The single is a celebratory blast and a salute to people who walk their own chosen path without worrying what others think.
change? Do we hate it or love it? I guess it depends on what the circumstances may be. Unemployment and illness, big no-no. But what about music, on which we, and most certainly I, depend on? I don't think any of us want to see a favourite band go off on such a tangent that we think there's been a mix-up at the pressing plant. However, we still want to see all subsequent releases from the one that originally got us hooked to progress, but perversely remain the same. Motorhead never released a Duff album. ACDC and Status Quo were vilified for producing albums that sounded the same as their respective last by those who probably never actually owned any of their records in the first place. But what happens when a musician you respect wrote the book on their particular field of excellence decides to completely change course? Richie Blackmore did, swapping Deep Purple for a style of music that was found in the Renaissance period. Good luck to him and all that. I mean, he's more than earned the right... And how could we ever forget D.D. Ramone becoming D.D. King, the hip-hop artist? I think all of us who own Standing in the Spotlight secretly like it. I mean, Mark, he plays on it uh, with Chris Stein and Daniel Ray adding guitar. And The Crusher was re-recorded by the Ramones on the band's last studio album. Do you realise that the Ramones have been almost gone as longer than they were together? Frightening. I don't think anyone will argue with me when I say Tony Iommi probably single-handedly wrote the heavy metal template when it came to guitar playing. Maybe single-handedly is like in a poor turn of phrases, you need both. But his early Sabbath work was heavier than anything that preceded it and arguably followed it. So I was suitably surprised and equally impressed with the news and recorded a classical choral piece with the Birmingham City Cathedral Choir. The only Sabbath song I can think of that comes remotely close to this style of music is uh, Superstar from uh, Sabotage album. According to the Birmingham Mail, How Good It Is was a preview of sorts of some of the new directions he'd like to explore after Black Sabbath plays their final ever gig in Birmingham on the 4th of February. I like new challenges, he admits. Things that are a bit out of the ordinary. Don't get me wrong, I have loved my time in Black Sabbath, but the constant touring has worn me down. I only said that in dedicating the piece to the church was special to him as he'd grown up in Birmingham, but we knew that. Uh, it's good to be able to give something back to the city after everything the city has given to me in terms of career in music and the place I'm proud to call my home, he said.
as you know, the Beatles are one of my three life-changing bands. The others, as you should also be aware of, are the Damned and the Helicopters in that order. During the early 1980s, I used to scour record fairs for Beatle outtakes. I mean, this was long before the internet and today's easy-to-find rare material. My prize find was the sessions of the Beatles withdrawn EMI or LP in 1985. Anyway, I never really collected any other of the Mersey Beat bands. However, a band that never made it back in the day that garnered my attention were the new Piccadillys from Edinburgh, who never made it out of the top story club, the city's equivalent to Liverpool's Cavern. But sadly, the Leith Beat never caught on, even with future Bay City Rollers manager Tam Patton trying his luck with them. One thing Tam did do was get the band into a studio to record their set to hoik around potential record labels. 14 tracks were recorded, with the best seven making it onto an acetate, of which five were pressed, one presumably for each band member, with the fifth travelling with Tam to the record labels. Now, you may think that the new Piccadillys wouldn't even warrant a footnote in the history of anything. And you'd be right, but for two things. During the early 70s, cassette tapes of the seven songs circulated with at least one vinyl bootleg. Uh, being pressed. Two songs on the tape were covered by the Ramones and The Clash, Judas Punk and Complete Control respectively, and in 2014, all 14 tracks were released as introducing the new Piccadillys. And when CJ Ramone played the audio in Glasgow on the 13th of December 2015, as recognition to the new Piccadillys, he had the recently reformed band opening for him. So, here are the 1960s version of Judy is a Punk and Complete Control. The press went mad. Oh, 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 oh,
sure I was doing something on the 17th of March that would prevent me from seeing the Yorkshire Rats at the Fighting Cocks in Kingston but I couldn't remember what it was well now I have I'm seeing the backyard babies supporting black star riders at the forum how could I have forgotten old age or I just haven't updated my 2017 pocket diary yet I did on Wednesday have a moment where I thought that the babies were going to be on first with gun following afterwards. With shades of Rob Zombie Astoria fiasco on my mind, I asked Black Star Riders manager Adam and former Belladonna drummer what the running order was. Gunner on first came his quick reply. It will be 16 months since I last saw the Backyard Babies when they played the O2 in Islington day before my 50th. The Squirrel would normally see at least three dates on any Babies UK tour, but... As a support, and tickets are at 30 quid a pop, she has opted to fly to Helsinki at the beginning of next month to see them in full headlining mode. Let's hope 2017 sees the babies back in the studio for a follow-up to 2015's 4x4. Here's 13 or Nothing from said album.
gets me as excited today as much as it did back in 1972 when I got the Slade album for either my 7th birthday or that year's Christmas present. One of the first things I do in the morning is to check if anyone has sent me or recommended me new releases. If I have, I'll return to that 7 year old and get carried away with the music. Sometimes though, I end up looking foolish. Take Tuesday for instance, Andreas Larsen of the very excellent bootleg Boo's record label sent me a message saying that he just emailed a newsletter regarding their upcoming releases in February and that I should check out The Empire Strikes from Finland. Of course, I went straight to my inbox, saw the email, half read it, well, up to the point where it said that the band were releasing a new single on the 13th, that was yesterday, Future and non-White Line Fever listeners. So I immediately messaged Andreas back with the request that the single, All Hope Is Gone, should be sent ASAP, if not sooner, to me so I could play on today's podcast. Andreas duly complied. However... After I had finished listening to the aforementioned track, dispensing with the urge to light up a cigarette with my arm between my head and a pillow gazing into the distance, I finished reading the email. If I'd have continued reading it before messaging Andres, I would have seen that there was a whole host of promo links from the stream of the whole album, High Tide, which is out on the 17th of February, to a download of the single. The album's first pressing is limited to only 500 copies, 250 in natural transparent vinyl and 250 in transparent green. So you better get yourself over to Bootleg Boo's website and pre-order it right now.
The Empire Strikes are supporting former Motorhead guitarist Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons in Finland from the 22nd of February to the 25th. So if you're in said country, check them out. I mentioned on last week's show that I took myself up to the 100 Club on the 5th to see the boys as part of this year's Resolution Festival. En route, I popped into the crowbar where I was to meet the squirrel along with Glenn, Michael, Ian, Nick and Erica from America. The crowbar is, was, still is the watering hole of choice for London's rock journalists. I was all prepared to offer empathy to those who had been cut asunder by the collapse of Team Rock just before Christmas. However, there was not one solitary hack. I raised my surprise with the squirrel, who surmised that they probably hadn't renewed their travel cards. No job, no money. Then on Sunday, news broke that Future Publishing, who sold classic rock, Metal Hammer and Prog to Team Rock four years earlier for over 10 million quid, had bought them back for 800,000. Apparently on Monday all was back to normal in Crowbar land. Admittedly said journalists were each several thousand pounds out of pocket. But at least they're thankfully once again gainfully employed. I was also surprised to receive my subscribers edition of Classic Rock on Wednesday. Even though friend of the show and squirrel associate Arkwright had picked me up a copy in Sainsbury's the week before. Much kudos to Future Publishing for honouring that. I know I said this a couple of times before, but I hope the new classic rock that's being worked on as you are listening to me prattle on does not stick to the formula that it had for the last six months or so. Bring back the reader's letters. Do away with the 100 greatest this, that or the other. That is just lazy, page-filling journalism, probably at the behest of someone in a suit. Live reviews. I don't want two four-page features on a couple of bands that have allegedly shelled out X amount of money on advertising. I want to read a broad cross-section of live gigs, from small to large, from regional to overseas venues, from heritage bands to the unsigned. I wait with bated breath. So, on to the boys' gig. I asked band manager Steve if Chips Kesby, who had stood in for an ill Honest John playing in 2015 would be joining his fellow Sartor bandmate and boys bassist Kent at the 100 Club as an audience member Steve quickly replied that he was indeed making the trip from Sweden obviously I was hoping for a repeat of the boys pipeline gig back in November 2015 when Chips joined the rest of the band for the encore sure enough Chips was in attendance, guitar teching, but when Casino Steel, Matt Dangerfield, Honest John Plane, Kent Norberg and Martin H. Sun got on stage, Chips didn't leave. The guitar I thought he'd been holding for Matt was in fact earmarked for himself. It seems the boys are now as much Scandinavian as they are British. Also joining the band throughout the set was original drummer Jack Black on tambourine, who only had to put down his sticks due to health issues. Unfortunately, the benefit of the full-on three-guitar sound wasn't enjoyed until Honest John's feedbacking guitar had been sorted a few songs into the set. Songs from the band's last album, that'll be punk rock, Menopause, were greeted with as much enthusiasm as so-called back-in-the-day classics, and rightly so. I also mentioned on last week's show that I had read that this was going to be the boys' only UK gig of the year. This prospect was made even more depressing after seeing how good they were at the 100 Club. Now I'm renowned in certain circles 
thought misinterpreting things. So I was pleased to read a couple of days later that the 100 Club was the only UK date booked so far this year. Or I might have just got that wrong as well.
That was the boys with I'm a Believer from the aforementioned punk rock menopause. Right, that's your lot for another week. I wonder how many of you have, or are about to, reach for your Ramones and Clash LPs. Check in on writing credits. Part of that story is true, and other parts are made up by me. I will leave it up to you to figure out what hopefully i will see some of you like-minded miscreants at the 100 club this evening where the uk subs will be doing their thing this will be the first time i would have seen them since last year's resolution festival with jet still on guitar barring snow i will give you a full report on next week's show until then take it easy by and said, come along for a picnic. And I was going, but Charlie said, (coughs) He says I'd better tell Mum where I'm going. So we told him to wait while we went and asked. But Mum was talking to the milkman. And she talked such a long time that when I had asked her and she'd said yes, the others had gone. Mum asked us why we hadn't gone, and when I told her, she said we'd been good for not going, and would we like a day out with her instead? (laughs) Charlie says, always tell your mummy before you go off somewhere, so she knows who you are with. (laughs) 